Okay, everyone, welcome to episode three of The Real Demons of Pop Culture. This week, we are going to be talking about Medusa. I love the story of Medusa. It is a tragedy, however, and I probably have to have some trigger warning because there is some sexual assault in this story. But let's talk about Medusa and pop culture first. Now, my probably earliest experience with Medusa in pop culture is the 1981 movie Clash of the Titans, which I love that movie. I mostly love it because I love Ray Harryhausen and his stop motion animation effects of Medusa and all the other creatures in that movie are just so cool. I'm not a big fan of the remake of Clash of the Titans, and they had all the computer and special effects, but I really feel like the Medusa in the 1981 movie, just maybe it's just because it reminds me of being a kid, but love it. But there's many other pop culture moments. There's a 1964 Hammer horror film called The Gorgon, and Medusa is a type of monster called The Gorgon. She also appears in the film Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. We will see her in Netflix. Well, sort of Netflix, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. There is a Gorgon character, so that's kind of cool. In the 2018 version of Charmed, Medusa is summoned to punish members of a fraternity for slut-shaming a girl. Now let's go into video games. Medusa is... Of course, not just video games, but if we go into board games like Dungeons and Dragons and the video game versions of Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to find Medusa. There's the video game God of War, Final Fantasy. There's a Nintendo Entertainment System game called Kid Icarus that has Medusa as the primary antagonist. There's a lot of great stuff. Even Anthrax has a song dedicated to Medusa. She pops up in pop culture all the time. Let's find out about the real Medusa. We have to basically go back to ancient Greece for this because Medusa has been captivating us for almost 3,000 years. And even if you know nothing about Medusa, if I walked out onto the streets of New York and walked up and say, tell me what you know about Medusa, I probably think everybody would be able to be like, well, she has snakes for hair or she could turn people to stone with her looks which is probably where If Looks Could Kill originates from. In ancient Greece, they used myths to explain life's mysteries. The Medusa myth might have been a way of explaining how some men underwent some sort of spell when they saw a woman. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about this because it's basically a myth that says that men are petrified of strong women. Or is it because men get captivated by, like, the the beauty of a woman? The idea that women can be strong, frightened men. Well, they still frightens men, I'm sure. 
There's no doubt about that. But in ancient Greece, they made a myth up about this. But I also think about the times where, like, you know, you want to talk to a girl and you just kind of freeze up. Is that maybe some part of the myth? Um, because I know in my history, there are times where, like, you know, I would just become stoned, just stand there like an idiot, not knowing what to say. And, you know, maybe in ancient times they believed that it was some kind of bewitching power and it eventually morphed into this Medusa story. Okay, let's get into that story. So Medusa was not always a monster. She had beautiful, long, flowing locks of hair, which caused everyone around her to want her. Everyone was envious of her beauty. Men wanted her, women wanted to be her, and her beauty actually made Athena jealous because Athena is beautiful and wants all the attention. Why does Athena know about this? Well, that is because Medusa was a priestess of Athena. And because Athena is a virgin goddess, Medusa cannot marry, she can't have sex, she's virginal. It's not part of her world, it's not part of Athena's world. So the servants in her temple are expected to be virgins so they can focus on the service of the goddess. They don't want to be burdened by child rearing or having a husband. Nope, they serve the god and they are virgins. And so Medusa starts out as a symbol of purity. So we know that Medusa is off limits. However, the god Poseidon, and he is the god of the sea, of storms, of earthquakes. He wants Medusa. And he's going to do whatever it takes to take her. At first, he's trying to get her to sleep with him. And she keeps saying no. No. No means no. But Poseidon will not take no for an answer. And so he comes after her. And Medusa seeks shelter in Athena's temple. Now, Athena's temple is real. It's not a myth. It actually exists. It stands atop the Acropolis in Athens. It's called the Parthenon, which in Greek, that means the place of the virgin. So Medusa feels, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be safe in Athena's temple. Poseidon chases her into the temple and trigger warning Sexual assault. Poseidon rapes Medusa on the floor of Athena's temple. So this act is sacrilegious. He's stolen her innocence. Now let's talk about the aftermath of this event. Being raped by Poseidon should be the worst, but it just gets worse and worse for Medusa. Because she is a rape victim, and in ancient Greece, that makes her unable to be married, according to the morales of ancient Greece, those times. And she can no longer devote herself to Athena because she's no longer a virgin. And you would think this would piss off Athena, and it does, but not at Poseidon. Athena is just one of the men. She's one of the boys. She's in the boys' club because she's the god. And this behavior is expected of a masculine power like Poseidon. 
it's just something these powerful male, male gods do. And it's replete in ancient Greek myths. So who is Athena furious at? She's furious with Medusa. Because Athena is going to side with the men. And the sad thing is in the society back then, women are just thought of property value. So rape devalues the property value. It's always the woman who is punished for these crimes. There's no empathy for women in these myths. Like, the story doesn't go on and be like, oh, poor Medusa. No, she was wrong. She is going to be punished. What does Athena do? Athena transforms Medusa without warning, and she turns her from beauty to the beast. And it's a painful transformation. Medusa's clawing at her face. Her skin is cracking. It's withering. Her hair turns to this mass of snakes. And that's not bad enough. We got to make it worse. That anyone who looks at her will turn to stone. Now think what this means. This means that Medusa is going to be completely isolated from human interaction at this point. She's been raped. She's been transformed to a hideous monster. And now anyone who looks on her will turn to stone. She is basically put into solitary confinement. That is what her punishment is. But not bad enough. We're not going to keep her in grief. They exile her to an island. So now she lives on her own island. And, you know, that's pretty bad. Solitary confinement on this island for eternity. But... It kind of sucks because her head becomes a trophy that men want. We'll get back to that in a second. So the beast that she has been transformed into is called a gorgon. The gorgon, the word gorgon, is ancient Greek for terrible. In history, Medusa is the first human ever turned into a gorgon. If you look at what the gorgon looks like, it resembles a corpse. What's interesting is, in ancient history, you would be seeing dead bodies all the time. Probably up until just very recently in the humankind history, we are now isolated from seeing dead bodies. But back in the day, you would see dead bodies all the time. And a lot of cultures and demons have the look, and I will not go into them now because, like I said, other demons will come up and we'll bring back the connection to death into those podcast episodes. What are those looks? Well, they have broad, wide open eyes. So when the body dies, uh, your eyes kind of, once the body's decomposing, the flesh is pulled back real tight. Your eyes kind of bulge out. You get this bloated face. Pulled back skin is shrinking around the, the mouth. And so it's showing these teeth. The tongue swells and protrudes out. And so all these things, the marks on the face, they are all resembling the face of a corpse. And so that is where the look of the Gorgon comes from. Now Medusa is on her own island, isolated. But as I just said not too long ago, she has a target on her back. 
technically on her head because the severed head of Medusa will still turn men to stone. And this is basically how you can weaponize the head of Medusa. If you are going into war, you could turn your enemies into stone by just carrying the head of Medusa with you. So this means a ton of people went to that island to get Medusa's head. But they all made the same mistake. They looked at her and they turned to stone. So now, not only is Medusa isolated and deformed and just in solitary confinement on this island, everyone who comes turns to stone. So now she has a garden of stone men surrounding her, which must be just dismal, just a dismal place to live. There is one man who successfully severs the head of Medusa, and that is Perseus. And Perseus is the character in The Clash of the Titans, but we're not going to go into um, Perseus's story right now because it's not about Perseus. We're talking about Medusa. And so there's a whole background of Perseus and why he's on this adventure. The reason why Perseus ends up succeeding is because he had supernatural aid. First of all, he's a demigod, so his father is Zeus, so he has divine blood. Hermes came down and gave him his winged sandals. So this means like Perseus could fly all over the world just like as fast as a jet or faster than a jet gets wherever he needed to be quickly. He ended up having to go to the nymphs to get the sword of Zeus and the shield of Athena. And he also got a helmet for invisibility. He ends up on Medusa's island and he uses Athena's shield as a mirror and he walks backwards looking at the mirror so he's not directly looking at Medusa and then when he gets close enough he sees Medusa in the mirror he turns quickly and severs her head an interesting side note is that the word Medusa also held a positive connotation meaning a guardian her image was used to ward off danger her image was also used to put fear into others so in ancient Pompeii, when they dug it out, they actually found this mosaic. And on the mosaic was Alexander the Great. And on his breastplate, his armor breastplate, was the image of Medusa. It was also used to scare children. They put the symbol, for example, on the outside of an oven. That would prevent the children from touching the oven because it's hot. They also used stories of Medusa. Like, if you don't eat your peas, Medusa's going to come and devour you. So they would frighten these children with these Medusa stories and with her image. Maybe that would be considered child abuse today. Perseus severs the head of Medusa. And when that happens, Medusa's blood actually creates two children. One is the winged horse Pegasus, and the other is Chrysaor, the brother of Pegasus. I find it interesting that the blood creates Pegasus and Chrysaor. And then later in the story, we're going to hear that drops of blood create snakes. What happens is Perseus needs to take this head, go back home to Greece, and he has to save his mom from marrying some asshole. He does this, but as he's flying in the air, the drops of blood are dripping from the bag from Medusa's head. And when it lands, it just creates hundreds and hundreds of poisonous snakes. And this is believed that the ancient Romans knew there were a lot of snakes in North Africa, and this was their way of explaining that. 
So after Perseus saves his mom from marrying this dick, he takes the head of Medusa and returns it to Athena's temple as a tribute. And then Medusa's head becomes an icon on the breastplate of Athena's armor. And it all ends where it all began. And it's very sad that Athena gets the last laugh in this story. And Medusa, nothing really good comes out of this. However, Perseus and Medusa are forever linked in the night sky. If you look up the constellation of Perseus, you can see them. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilla Delphia production.